Bapivo, Bipawabe. Hello and welcome to Meet the Artist podcast series hosted by the Museum of Indian Arts and Culture. My name is Matthew Martinez. I am the current deputy director at the museum. Located on ancestral Pueblo land in so-called Santa Fe, New Mexico, or Ogapoge, White Shell Water Place, Mayak is one of the four museums in the Museum of New Mexico system. Mayak is a premier repository of native art and material culture that tells the oral histories of the people of the Southwest, from ancestral stories through contemporary art. Like everything else, the ongoing coronavirus pandemic has significantly shifted the way the museum reaches our audiences, and we are using virtual events and digital programs to connect with our local community. As part of this effort, Mayak has continued to support indigenous communities by hosting several native artists on a YouTube series, also called Meet the Artist. To reach a broader audience and in response to the growing demand for online content, we are repurposing these interviews into a podcast. In this series, Mayak curatorial staff takes some time to speak with local artists about their work, how the pandemic has affected their practice, and what they've been up to in the past year. In our first episode, Lilia McEnany chats with Lauren Aragon, an artist and fashion designer from Acoma Pueblo, about his transition from engineer to fashion designer. My name is Lilia McEnany, and I am a curatorial assistant at the museum. And today we'll be speaking with fashion designer Lauren Aragon. But before we start talking with Lauren, I'd like to briefly acknowledge the place where this conversation is happening, at least on my end, in Ogapoge within the Tewa world. As a non-native person living in so-called Santa Fe, I'm a guest in the ancestral homelands of the Tewa people. And I'd wish to acknowledge all the native people, past, present, and future who walk on these lands. So now we can get started talking with Lauren. So Lauren, for those of you who don't know you, um, why don't we start with an introduction, where you're from, and a bit about your artistic practice. Yeah. My name is Lauren Aragon. I am from the Acoma Pueblo of New Mexico, and I am a fashion designer coming from a background of engineering, which is what I did for about 12, 13 years. After finishing a degree at ASU, Arizona State University, I practiced engineering for a couple years, but I uh, always had art in my background and really wanted to get back in tune with that somehow and really had an ambition to preserve our culture in some way. And I always wanted to do that through technology and art. My mother was my art teacher since I was young and I always seen them, her and my aunt do a lot of sewing. So it really didn't dawn on me that I would do that. I always thought that was just for girls, <laughs> honestly, growing up. But um, I, was, I was a big nerd, I was a techie. And I like to say I went from geek to chic. So that's kind of my motto with what I do now. I was raised in Acoma Pueblo for the first 18 years of my life. I uh, went to school in Grants High School. Went off to ASU in, in 98, finished in 04. Like, again, stuck around, did a lot of engineering and really had a good balance of both traditional and modern teachings in my, in my, in growing up. Uh, my grandfather was very heavily into our traditions and, and did a lot of, practiced a lot of the things that, that happened at Acoma and taught me a lot about our people and, and what we do and what we believe in. And then I had a lot of grandmothers who did pottery, which is what we're mostly known for. So a lot of our pottery work, I got to see firsthand being made. Always wanted to do it or do pottery somehow 
but with everything that was happening in my engineering career, I just couldn't make the time to go back and get the work done. It's, it's a lot of labor, so a lot of that was just time consuming and they just couldn't do it. So practicing art on other mediums, but still touching in on or tuning into what our traditions meant, our pottery designs mean, those types of designs made it to other genres or other mediums that I was working on. Great. So can you tell us a little bit about where you are right now? I see a beautiful dress behind you. <laughs> right. Um, so now I am a full-time fashion designer. I turned full-time back in 2016 after going through pretty much a big challenge in trying to change that lifestyle from being an engineer to doing a lot of art. I found my biggest inspiration from uh, attending the Santa Fe Indian Market for the first time in 2009, actually. And just the amount of energy there, all the things that were happening as far as uh, artists incorporating technology into their work and still keeping in touch with tradition, which is so inspiring to me. That's what I wanted to do. So seeing all that work and just me, I, I just wanted to be a part of that somehow. So that's, I think, when things started to change and my passion for engineering, although it's still very strong, it started to kind of shift and it's just uh, something in my, my mind started thinking, wondering, you know, how can I incorporate my two worlds, my technological world and my artistic world and bring that forth into something. So it really took some trial and error. I got into Indian market in 09 with illustration and some uh, diverse art. I started in on doing some gourd art, wood burning basically on gourds and incorporating some metal work. I'm fortunate to have an uncle who's uh, into metalsmithing or was a silversmith. So he taught me some things with jewelry. So jewelry was also another thing that I introduced and I really wanted to be different. I really wanted to be different from all the other practices that were that I saw. So that was another challenge. And if you've been to Indian market, it's a diverse world of Native American art. And it, the, the challenge is just to how do you stand out <laughs> in, in that, that magnitude of art. So that was my challenge to myself. So I really pushed forward with coming up with something different, creating my own style. And people saw it. People really acknowledged what I had and that was even more inspiring. So I, I just kept it going. And a lot of the designs I was throwing down on paper were seen by a couple friends and family who said, you know, that'd be great looking on a t-shirt, you know, <laughs> I'd wear that. <laughs> so that's really what kind of sparked it all out. And I had a friend who was getting into printmaking, doing screen printing on t-shirts, things like that. And I approached him and said, hey, we, you know, I have an idea that I'd like to just try and see what happens. So it was about 2014 that I threw my first designs on a t-shirt. People loved it. I really wanted to do more. And I remember buying some patterns for the first time, just commercial patterns that I wanted to try. My mother and my aunt were, were there to help me through with, with the sewing part. So I had asked them to kind of guide me on a project. And I created my first contemporary piece out of these patterns. And what really, what I hated the most doing that was trying to interpret someone else's patterns. <laughs> so that, that really sparked me to say, you know, I want to do this from the beginning, from beginning to end. How do I do that? What do I need? And and that's just kind of what triggered it all. And I didn't, I, I like to say I stumbled upon fashion by accident. Uh, I discovered it was the hub of everything I love to do. It includes illustration. It still includes some engineering to figure out how things will come together, how they would move, and and just the problem solving, just just the whole figuring it out part of it is, is what I love about it. And again, the graphic design started to progress even more. I was still an engineer at this time, so I had access to computers that could help me design my work, and I I just loved it. I just fell in love with doing it. That that's where I am now. It's it's a little mixture of both couture and ready to wear. Couture is still my most favorite thing to do because it, again, it, it challenges me to the max with everything I want to. 
really how do I build this up to what I what I imagine it to be? How will it work? How will it fit? <laughs> and the piece you see behind me is is actually one of my latest designs um, from a collection I'm calling Peecha, which in the Karis language or the Akwa language means let it rain. So the whole collection prior to that is is a couture collection, which is based on on the ideas of rain. So everything from the building of a storm to the calming aftermath, all those ideas are incorporated in, in this collection. And there's some pieces that have some cloud movement, some, some rainfall, the droplets, which are, which are captured in some black on black designs. The, the piece behind me is, is a follow up with the colors, especially the, that collection was actually my first design that first designs that I didn't incorporate any real pottery print. Oh, interesting. Which was a, which was a big, a big change for a lot of people and a um, big challenge for me because I really just wanted to tune in on the ideas of what we believe in as, as far as rain. It's the giver of life. It's the beginning of something new. So and it's not that just was really an aesthetic idea. It's like an act. It's not just like an aesthetic idea. It's like an actual. Right. And, Correct. Right. And, and that's really what, what all my designs are based on, just the beliefs of the Akama people. And, and the underlining, the founding idea behind that is the idea of empowering women. So tour women's designs, everything I incorporate into a design is meant to be a catalyst to the women who wear these designs to embrace their strengths and their power and, and really empower themselves to be at their best in whatever they do. So these designs, really what our brand means is evoke empowerment. It's really to reach inside yourself and evoke that empowerment that we all carry. And especially in our women who in the Yakima Pueblo and a lot of Pueblos and a lot of Native American tribes are, are matrilineal in belief. And that's what we're trying to set forth and, and really try to instill those ideas of the women having power, women having have the ability to create life and create beautiful things. Those are the ideas that we try to instill in everything that we make, or especially in my designs, it's really the foundation for everything that I do. Back to the follow-up on the, on the designs with the couture, uh, the ready-to-wear. So the piece behind me is has the markings of the pottery design work that I normally do. So this is one of the ready-to-wear pieces with a, a jersey fabric and a more more ready-to-wear being that it, it's it's more ready to just put on and for everyday use. So <laughs> I love to include that it's it's still luxurious enough to wear to something you know big, something some kind of grand function. So that that was I, I didn't miss it. I really did miss putting print on some some fabric and putting it into my design. So this really was appealing to me to do yeah. <laughs> and, and, and show it off in a different way. So this is just one of the pieces from the new collection that is in the works right now. And we're trying to launch, but uh, with everything going on around us, it, it just kind of makes things difficult to get it done in the time frame that we thought we'd had. <laughs> right. The fabric is stunning. Even through the video, it just looks absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and it does look luxurious, even though it is ready to wear. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so can you... Tell us a little bit about your studio and the place that you work. Yeah, so um, I'm going to do a little tour of the area that we had set up here. So right now we're actually working with everything that's with our masks. We've kind of changed, shifted gears because we saw a need for people to protect themselves. And we started this campaign called Protective Styling. Protect yourself or protect others while protecting yourself. And we needed, or we, found some fabric that was laying around that we could use to create some face, face masks. And it was a little bit of a hesitation at first because uh, everything with the guidelines going on with the CDC, the, the World uh, Health Organization was always, you know, you need P95, you need a, you know, regulated kind of mask. But after a while, the requirements kind of laxed and said, you just need some kind of covering. And these are the things you should be using to cover your face with. So we were fortunate enough to have this cotton, 100% cotton fabric laying around, which is 
is what's really recommended and must be at least two ply or two layers of thickness. So engineering mine kicked on and I had started developing what uh, was going to be our, our face mask. So right now this is, we're working on our generation three, which has been an upgrade from what we started out with originally. And that was just based on feedback from our patrons or customers who had purchased the mask saying, you know, it'd be great if you could, you know, make this more, the wire better, you know, a little bit more adjustable. We need some more comfort in the ears and all this stuff. So <laughs> uh, we've come, come quite a ways in the last couple of months just to create some, some designs. So here's one of the light masks with the lightning pattern on it. And these are our strap styles. Uh, we also have some that are with uh, elastic earbands and um, are available on our website. And what's been amazing is the support from our patrons and friends and family who have purchased a lot of these and um, has really helped with the business. So we're able to keep moving forward and provide a service to people who need it. And that was one of the things we saw with people were basically hoarding a lot of the masks when, it, when this pandemic all started. And um, we really needed to kind of make things more accessible to people just even within our own communities. So we did that and people love it. People have been giving us great feedback and encouraging us to keep it up. So we've been doing this for since April with, with providing masks. And it's been quite a bit, bit of a challenge. For one thing, the uh, delivery system has just been in chaos <laughs> with all these reroutes and everything. We had quite the challenge of kind of getting things started to, to get it better handled right now because of delays in delivery and things like that. But yeah, we're, we're all set up. I don't know if you can see. Yeah. Going on in the background, we have Val here doing some sewing on one of some of the masks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, our whole setup, yeah, she's really in tune with what she's doing. <laughs> but um, our, we have about about six machines all going. Um, here's this actually my mother Hilda, who's helping out with doing some pressing on the masks. This is where we do our our pleating. So there's another style with the Tularosa design, which is was really what kicked it off, and people just loved that these designs were available. That they were coming from a Native American artist designer. Here's a batch of just a bunch of masks that are ready to go. So <laughs> and and really what the what we also wanted to kind of incorporate into these designs was that they were they're all meaningful in life the designs all represent the ideas of life so through that create some some unity with the wearer to for all of us to do our part to protect each others and to protect protect yourself that's what we wanted to instill in, in these design these mass designs too so um, that's our hope it's, it's great to hear the feedback that hey I saw so-and-so wearing one of your masks and you know I saw somebody else wearing one and uh, one of your masks and we just kind of connected <laughs> which was which is really great so we're gonna keep that up for as long as we can or as long as we have to. So before we keep going, I'm going to put a image of one of your masks on the screen. People can get a sense of what they look like on and there's a link to where you can see more of Lauren's masks and purchase if you are so inclined. So Lauren, going back to this, the masks, of course, but how else has this pandemic really affected your artistic practice? Well, it, it hasn't really affected the creativity part uh, of what I do, but it has limited me to putting out that creativity. All our shows were canceled because of this pandemic, and it really put a damper on, on what we could present to our customers, our, our fans, or and, and people who, who just love to see Native American fashion. And so it, it really affected us by having to think in new ways to put our product out there, and which is really, we're really fortunate to kind of have a plan this year to do more online things, online sales, bring more traffic toward our website. So that really pushed us even further to do that. So with, with the help of some friends and, and people in the business, we were able to kind of 
generate more of a buzz to to our social media, to our uh, website, to and really bring people back into tune with who we are uh, as a brand and what what we represent, where we come from, and, and kind of reintroduce ourselves to the fashion world. So, and again, I think the masks kind of uh, helped along with that because a lot of people say, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know you did." all these other things and it's it's great to see that the internet has, has taken off in, in that way that we could use it like such to get more traffic generate a larger audience absolutely yeah i think i mean we're never going to go back to normal right so it's going to be interesting to see how different people continue use with online sales or not or continue how long are you going to have to make masks for you know like how long is that going to be a huge part of your business so i guess switching gears a little bit i wanted to talk about my acts renewal of our permanent exhibition here now and always you are making a fabulous dress for us um based on the jar in the collection and here is a side-by-side -side image of a sketch that you did based on the jar and can you talk a little bit about why you work with historic pottery and how you work with historic pottery and really how <laughs> that evolved for you in your creative process sure yeah um you know i don't really work directly from pottery. The first design I did that was a direct inspiration from a pottery piece was a piece I did for Walt Disney World. And they had approached me and asking, you know, we, we want to make this connection from the past to now. And we really would love for you to be inspired by a pot that exists in, in a collection in Santa Fe and bring that to life through a garment somehow with what you do. Up until then, all my designs and even to now, my, all my designs have been original and a few designs that I've extracted, extracted just because, you know, they look awesome and I really want to, they just speak to me as far as, you know, how they were laid out in the pottery and, and the whole story. With, with every pot, there's always, for me, there's always a story. There, there has to be a story there. You know, what was happening at that moment when this artist put all these designs down? What do these designs really mean or represent? And um, it's open to inter interpretation. One of the, with this design, I, I immediately saw pieces that would reflect well on a dress or pieces, parts of the designs that I could extract to uh, accent parts of the dress. So uh, my idea with, with this was to actually incorporate more metalwork with this design. And if you look on the, the sketch that I provided, the digital sketch, it's uh, some shoulder caps, which I want to form out of copper. And all these other pieces will be leather on a silk dress. So I'm really excited to get this one started. And, and I've been playing with some other sketch ideas too. So this is kind of the one of the initial designs that I presented. <laughs> and um, it, it's going to change. I know it's going to all, the process is going to change as, as I get started with it and really excited to to see how this one's going to come out especially with the incorporating of uh, more metal into it and um, I just feel that these these pieces really speak to a lot of strength a lot of energy and I, I want that to translate or be I want that to be reflected in the dress as well. So the wearer or whoever is going to put this on display is going to just, you know, reflect that that same energy. Absolutely. And with the materials too, the metal and the um, and the leather on a silk dress. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> talk about power. That's awesome. It's just yeah, and, and what really kind of stuck with doing the, the, the inspiration that kind of stuck that from doing the inner Disney dress was uh, the idea of kind of a princess style with, with all the Disney princesses and the the strength and a lot of those characters that really played a large part into how I designed that dress as well as well as this one and really wanted to be more of a, a elegant warrior kind of vibe <laughs> so uh, I'm really hoping to capture that with, with this piece too absolutely 
So I guess kind of building off of that, Native fashion has just exploded in the past several, several years. What excites you about this field? What do you think is different about Native fashion that might not, that really sets it apart from other art forms? I really love that it's still very new, still developing and, and generating a life of its own. I love that the, the Native designers that are doing their thing now are creating more of an awareness to it. And, and more and more people are are starting to figure out, you know, that, that we have a huge diversity in Native America and just seeing the progression of the use of technology, access to new materials, those types of things being developed into something wearable and still connecting to tradition has just been really inspiring to me. It's just awesome to see. And, and I, I really encourage all other designers, even those that are aspiring to, to start thinking in new ways. What excites me is that we're taking back what we should be representing ourselves. Uh, we're often misinterpreted, misrepresented on a lot of runways by non-native designers and we have every right to represent ourselves. So it uh, was really part of a big part of what I started in on in fashion. I, I saw a lot of things happening. I didn't really like how certain designs or uh, regalia were being represented on the runways. And I felt that I wanted to make a, a stand and s somehow say, you know, we have every right to be on those same stages as Dior, you know, Alexander McQueen. And we just need to work hard and, and find those avenues to get there. And it, it's just great to see a lot more designers doing that. So I'm excited to see who who or when we get to see more natives out there in, in the in the greater spotlight and putting on shows of their own and, and a lot of, we've seen that already uh, just with our, those that have pioneered their way through and um, so I'm excited to see and also have people share that you know native uh, fashion has always been a part of Native America for centuries and um, with with all our traditional regalia everything that's built up for dancing for, for ceremonies that's all fashion that's all things that we already thought about I like to have people challenge ourselves and themselves to push that even further. How can we put that out there for everyone to enjoy? Yeah, and innovation in Native fashion has always been there too. It Absolutely. is not this static idea that people think of. Like it's, it's always changing just like mm -hmm. every other art form. And right. So given that, what do you see the Native fashion world looking like in like 20, 30 years? I, you know, it's hard to say. It's always evolving and that's why I love it as well. I. I have to evolve. I can't just stick on one thing. My, my ideas change so much that I really want to embrace all these different ideas into different collections. And it's just so great to see that we're, we're creating our own narrative and telling our own stories. And even just, I, I like that we're keeping our culture alive through it. Like I said before, it's just, this is my way of preserving who I am, where I come from, what we believe in, and hoping to inspire even more future generations to jump into fashion or some sort of it, some part of it to, to be there. I really think that in, in 20, 30 years, we're gonna see more of a presence of Native American designers doing greater things and um, seeing more shops that are incorporating a lot more Native designs. So really being more more present in the, in the general fashion world. Right, not just in the native fashion world. Right, right, exactly. And, and I think that's that's vital because again, not a lot of people are tuned into native American fashion. Uh, we need to think outside the box and bring that to the, the more generalized public who surprisingly to me in, in doing this, I didn't know a lot of people didn't know <laughs> that we still existed, that this type of art form existed in pottery and that people didn't know 
for everything you read online, you know, world renowned Acomo Pueblo, it, it's really not. <laughs> as far as fashion goes, I think with pottery, yeah, a lot of people under, see the pottery and they say, oh yeah, I, I, I recognize that. But the other thing is, you know, we need to challenge ourselves and breaking away from those traditional practices and doing more of something that has not been done yet. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, so as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we sign up? Uh, no, I don't think, I think there's not much more to add. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for our Artist Dialogue series with Lauren Aragon and um, stay tuned for upcoming installments. Yeah, thank you, Lilia and Mayak for this opportunity. Um, really great to join in and discuss a little bit about what, what I'm doing. And again, that Thanks for joining us today, and don't forget to visit us online at mayaklab.org for information on our exhibits, to learn about upcoming events, or to plan your next in-person visit. To watch the full version of this interview, follow us on the Mayak YouTube channel. This podcast has been produced by Gladys Rimkes with editorial support from Lilia McEnany and Matthew Martinez. Special thanks to Jacob Shehey from Santa Clara Pueblo for providing the music for this podcast. Follow him on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Be sure to check out his music, available for streaming on Spotify, Apple Music, and SoundCloud. This series is funded by the Henry Luce Foundation.